Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks again for joining us. And we are actually featuring part two today of an interview we started quite some time ago. Back in episode 27, we're talking about the book From Death to Life, How Salvation Works by Pastor Alan Nelson. And unfortunately, we had some technical difficulty when we first recorded that podcast. And so we just did a part one, and eventually we're able to do a part two. And the exciting news now is that this book actually is now available. When we first recorded the interview, this book had not yet come out, but the book is out now. You can get it on Amazon. We'll have the link to that, and I hope you will get that book. It's worth your read. Uh, It comes with my personal recommendation, but somehow my recommendation didn't make it into the book. I I don't really know how that happened. I I guess, you know, when you get, like, Tom Schreiner, you know, and and, and others who who are giving their reviews... Kevin Thompson doesn't matter. But anyway, we're really thankful that uh, Pastor Nelson was able to come and join us. And I'm really thankful he was able to join us a second time to record where we left off last time. So we're picking up this part with our dangers to avoid. And I think we really get into a good conversation when it comes to this. So the Pastor Alan Nelson, and again, the book is entitled From Death to Life, How Salvation Works. Well, we are welcoming back on the program uh, Pastor Alan Nelson. Uh, Pastor Nelson, welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. Hey, Kevin. It's great to be here with you again. All right. Now, we had some technical difficulties last time, which is one of the reasons why we split this into two episodes instead of one. So I I thank you for your great amount of patience and grace in dealing with me. Oh, no, no. We live in a Genesis 3 world, don't we, where where things, things just don't don't work out sometimes like they're supposed to sometimes i am convinced that technology is part of the curse but you know that's right but yeah go ahead well we're talking about your book from death to life how salvation works and we uh looked at what salvation is kind of the umbrella term that we use there salvation and we talked Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. uh some of the scripture passages like acts 26 and so now we're going to talk about some dangers to avoid and in your book there's three of them that that i picked out that I think are definitely worth avoiding and worth warning everyone about. And the first one is easy mm-hmm. believism. So explain mm-hmm. to us how, what, it sounds like a nice term because we don't believe in a works-based salvation, but we also want to stay away from easy believism, which is a, a, another heresy. Yeah, uh, and this is this is actually one, of, as we talked about, this is kind of one of the the motivations for writing the book in the first place. And if you if you misunderstand how salvation works, you may be interested in, in just getting a verbal profession more than a, a God-wrought conversion, if that, that makes sense. And so easy believism, then, is just the, the idea of, let me just say the minimal things, maybe something just like God loves you and has a plan for you through Jesus, and get someone to say yes to those, and then affirm them as a as a Christian, and um, and maybe even telling them to write down their date in the Bible, and don't ever question that again. And so that's uh, essentially, and now there's different categories of that, but that's essentially what we're talking about when we talk about easy belie- believism. It may even manifest itself in saying, look, all you got to do is, uh, you believe you're a sinner? Yes, okay, well, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, so just repeat after me in this prayer, and then voila, out comes a outcomes a Christian. And what's missing from that is any sort of repentance or sorrow for sin, which mm-hmm. is what makes salvation mm-hmm. necessary. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Repentance is, Jesus says in Mark one fifteen that, that we have to repent and believe the gospel. It's interesting to me, I actually didn't know this, Kevin, that how, how, how much of a pushback there is. I was actually dialoguing with someone recently, uh, how much of a pushback there is about repentance. That, you know, you just need to believe, and they want to take repentance out of it. So um, pretty, uh, pr- pretty amazed that that's still still in play today. Oh yeah, and it's it's it it sounds so nice because nobody wants to say no to. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Well, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll pray this prayer. Okay. Well, I can I can walk away and live like I did ten minutes before I prayed this prayer. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's no salvation that took place. You know, you and I were talking before, and I, I told you a story about a fair ministry. I was involved in once and mm. it was just simply the one, two, three, pray after me method. And there was all these sorts of, uh, fanciful and, uh, sensational things to draw people into their booth. And once they got there and say, Hey, you know, don't you want to go to heaven? Well, let's pray this prayer. And they filled out mm. a card. And it was mm. great. And they had over hundreds of people. And so, mm-hmm. uh, made this confession. It was my job as, uh, one of the pastors at a local church to actually follow up on this. So I got a, st- mm. a huge stack of cards, and I thought, this is going to be great. You know, we just have a little church, and it'd be wonderful to see all these people in our area who've been exposed to the gospel. Mm. And of the hundreds of cards I received, and I followed up on every single one of them, very few even remembered ever praying anything. And mm. nobody was interested in church attendance. Nobody was interested in following up and anything to do mm-hmm. with the supposed faith that they have. And so my fear is with easy believism is not just that it's false doctrine but it's mm-hmm. sending people to hell who think they're on their way to heaven mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know kevin a, a cognitive understanding of the facts of the gospel you know that's important uh, well, i'm not minimizing that in, in the least in fact we have to have that right but that's not enough i think we think in our minds if we just ask uh, a young child if they cognitively understand that jesus died on the cross um that's 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 one thing, you know, but to actually embrace that, um, to take up their cross and daily and follow Jesus and to repent and truly see Jesus as our only suitable and all-sufficient Savior, that, that entails much more than just admit, believe, confess, boom, now you're a Christian. Um, and we're reaping the benefits, or the, not the benefits, we're reaping the, uh, the fruit, the bad fruit yeah. of such a uh, many decades of easy believism today. And yeah, reaping the the downfall of of mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is such it, it's almost I don't want to say impossible, but how many times have I gotten an argument with people who were clearly not saved because they prayed a prayer and they're they're convinced mm-hmm. because they prayed a prayer they're good to go, but mm-hmm. their lives have not changed. There's no evidence of fruit. There's no evidence of the works of the spirit. And now, mm-hmm. and I want to be careful because we don't want to promote a works-based salvation that you somehow mm-hmm. have to prove your mm-hmm. salvation because you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and if you don't do this, you're not saved. But the opposite can't be true either, where you can live like the devil, and because you prayed a prayer, mm-hmm. you're, you're on your way to the pearly gates. That's right. You know, some of the most solid uh, confessions of faith, and, and even the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which our church ascribes to, talks about how sanctification begins at regeneration. Yeah. And where God sets us apart, but then, you know, all those desires are there. And so some people want to say, well, what about the thief on the cross? You know, 
well, yes, he believed, and uh, as as much as he was able, expressed, you know, Jesus's kingship there. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. But that, and, and those are certainly people can be saved on their deathbed. Praise God. Um, but the norm is that a person is converted at some point in their life, and then what do we see in their life? We begin yeah. to see fruit because their desires have been and affections have been transformed by the power of God. And so it's not perfectionism. We're not not after uh, John Wesley's uh, false idea there uh, on that we can be perfect. We don't mean that, but we do mean that we can and should and will be holy and grow uh, in that. Right. And the second thing we want to avoid, and I, I, I'm a little hesitant to say this because I, I there's a spectrum here, but the issue of altar calls, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm, can be mm-hmm. very manipulative. And so, why did you why did you pick on that in in your book? Yeah, I, I wanted I, I, I see um, a lot of people's minds, and even people I've counseled um, have actually said so. So we can say what we want about altar calls, but when you get into the trenches and you talk with people, and what are they seeing? So I've talked with people. I actually think that that they're walking forward is what saved them. So. So regardless of what someone might say about the altar call method, this is what people are really seeing, They re- what, what they're really thinking. And again, like you mentioned, there is a spectrum, and I've talked with people, and I've tried to be clear, and, and uh, actually even since you've read it, just put a clarifying paragraph in there just about, you know, I, I'm not trying to throw out, I'm not trying to put everybody under the same category, but what I am really talking about is those services that are kind of geared towards that crescendo of, making sure the altars are full and making sure everybody is making some sort of decision. And that's kind of the goal uh, of the, of the service, so to speak, to, to get people to come up forward and you'll do whatever it takes, whether it's uh, an emotional uh, video at the end of the sermon or a, or, or, uh, or some sort of lighting change or even, you know, it uh, sounds funny, but even fog machines, you know, mm. just whatever it takes to get people to come forward. Even I've heard of churches, Kevin, that, that have actually put plants in the service. So, yes. you know, hey, you, when the serv- when the altar call starts, you need to come forward, and then that way other people will come forward. Well, they're not plants. They're um, encouragers. Right, right. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all, all, all sort of a uh, – I know it, this is a hard word, but, I mean, uh, it, it comes down to a manipulative right. uh, tactic to – and, and the zeal. So, so some of these people, I think, uh, I think of people I know right now, a genuine zeal. They want to see people converted. But oh my, this is the the means by which that happens is tw- so twisted that it's causing more harm. Yeah. You know, to just put put in people's mind, hey, if you just come forward and recite these words, everything with God is right. And in particular, you see it. Um, maybe in teenagers, one of the things about I was in youth ministry for a while. One of the things about teenagers is your numbers can be up because they'll get saved about you know every six months or so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you get them to come forward and and but but man, um, if uh, and then you're dealing with the fallout uh, when they turn twenty, thirty, forty. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 a problem. And that goes right along with easy believism because when you when you walk the mm-hmm. aisle or. Uh, whatever you want to call it, you're not going to get into an in-depth conversation in the five minutes while uh, others are there and the music is playing softly or, or whatever. Uh, it, it leads to a very quick 
I don't say thoughtless, but not thought out decision that, of course, isn't going to last. And again, that's not to say that nobody has 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 gotten saved or received Christ at, a, at an altar uh, call, but it, it the manipulation is there. And it's I, I can still remember the first time I, I gave an invitation as a young person in, in ministry college studying for ministry, actually. And remember, I said the magic words. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. and a chill went down my spine. It was just, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But looking back on that, oh, the manipulation—you you hit it right on the head there. The manipulation is, it takes away from the power of the true gospel, in, in the mm-hmm. sense that we're not trusting Jesus. We want the big numbers, but we have very few that are actually saved. But if we were to actually mm-hmm. stick with, because we're dealing with the gospel, the method is, of course, of course it's important. Of course it has to matter. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, the numbers aren't different, but they are. We have. Well, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, I, I, I was just going to add. You know, I, I think the big problem is people in their minds. They say, "Well, if, if you don't do an altar call, people don't have a, a chance to respond." Yeah. Um. But but I think that people have made a good practices in, in church history and something I try to do periodically. I don't say this every Sunday, but every few Sundays I try to make the point that, look, I, I'm here. If you've heard something that you want to talk about, whether it's salvation or whether it's something else, the church membership, what it, please, please, would you, would you meet with me? I'll, I'll meet with you this afternoon. And I've, I've, I've done that. Um, but then there's people in church history like Martin Lloyd-Jones and Charles Spurgeon, they, they would give up much of their Sunday afternoon to to meet with people right. in order to talk about these things and and well that's a lot of work I know but I think it's worth it right and again it, it, it's God who draws people to Himself according to John six mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we don't need to be the Holy Spirit we don't need to manufacture <laughs> something uh, God will draw people to Himself again that's not we're, we're not saying that's an excuse for us to be lazy or, or not to do the work of evangelism <laughs> but. We, you know, as as a pastor, I'm sure you you can you can tell from time to time when when people are getting convicted, and mm-hmm. that's not, you know, as, as a good pastor, I'm sure your your only connection with the with the person in the pew is not during the message. I mean, you you talk to mm-hmm. people and you you greet them and you uh, hopefully visit their homes and you can get to know people and see what their real needs are without an altar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, actually, we had a testimony recently. Well, it's been since in the last year of a of a of an older lady. Um, she's in her fifties, and she was converted in one of our services. But this was one of those things where she heard the call um, in the message. Because when I give a gospel call in the message, I'm I'm always saying something like, "Look, you need to repent, and believe the gospel right right where you're at, right right in your heart, right right in your chair." You need to repent. You need to turn from your sins, and you need to call on Jesus. You know, and uh, this was a few Sundays had gone by, and she met with me, and she was she was like, I, I, a few Sundays ago when you were saying that, I, I didn't it didn't all make sense, but yes, that's what I did. I I called out, and I I I became a Christian. You know, and so it, it is possible if we're willing to just communicate and and make clear what the, how the Bible makes it clear. And uh, we, we don't have to add things to uh, to that call to repent and believe. It's not repent and believe and do these other things. Repent and believe the gospel. And um, 
And if God's working, it's to say, well, that people don't understand what that means. Well, that's why you explain that, you know, in your message. And then you trust, you, you trust that God is able to, to do, to affect what he wills and he can and, and will do that and use the gospel message to do that. So, right. well, when it comes to easy believism and altar calls, I think that's an in-house debate with among Christian evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While we disagree with those methods, I, you know, there, there, there has, there have been people who are genuinely born again, uh, through those methods. But mm-hmm. this third yeah, so it's thing a good here, point. Good point. Yeah, but this this third issue we're going to talk about there there is no good intention in my view, and this is this does not lead to salvation for anyone. That's the idea of the prosperity gospel. So, mm-hmm. what do we mean by mm-hmm. prosperity gospel? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a term that's probably touted quite a bit without really being. De- but essentially, um, I think that we could define the prosperity gospel as the idea that God's plan for you is um, material and earthly, and uh, so it's about your health and your wealth and your prosperity, as is mentioned. You know, um, you know, a lot, maybe lots of kids if you want them, a great job if you want that, a, an awesome parking spot at, at Walmart or whatever, if that's what you're after. You just you you say it and you believe it, and God will do that for you. So essentially, it comes down, and this is why I agree with what you're saying, because essentially it comes down to this. You come to Jesus, and he'll give you treasure. While the biblical gospel says, Jesus is the treasure. Right. Yeah, and this is... Go ahead. Well, and I was just going to mention, you know, uh, this is a rampant... The prosperity gospel has become so rampant, um, that it even affects, you know, it even affects the most mature believer in America. I'm talking about true, sincere believer, and that is, you know, those days when we're on the way to work, we've we've we spent time in the Word, we've prayed, and we're on the way to work. And we get a flat tire. One of the most uh, common questions that'll enter our mind first and foremost is, "What have I done wrong?" Yeah. Uh, isn't isn't like I've done everything right? Why why did I get a flat tire? Isn't God God supposed to be blessing me, right? Um, and that's 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 the prosperity gospel that that sneaks in um, and 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 tries to distort the true biblical gospel. Yeah, and that's really important because we think about the prosperity gospel. My mind immediately goes to uh, Benny Hinn or Bob Tilton or one mm-hmm, of those guys, mm-hmm. and you know they're selling their prayer hankies and they're promising healing for a price, but yeah, so much. Uh, how many times do I complain to God? Here I am. I'm I'm in Christian ministry, and I don't feel like I should be going through this trial, and I don't feel like mm-hmm. I should be having to go through this because look at what I've done for you. And that's that's a prosperity mm-hmm. gospel right there that uh, is sneaking into my heart, and that's that's going to mm-hmm. hurt my relationship with Christ. It has the gospel all distorted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a, a brother recently converted in our church and it seemed like as soon as he became a christian everything almost everything that you can imagine began going wrong you know and he was really struggling with that you know and, and, it, and it's taking a time and just now sort of being able to snap out of that you know just thinking well if i become a christian um that means everything in my life's going to be okay and that's kind of what uh that's kind of well, that's essentially what the prosperity gospel says. You, you, you become a Christian. Um, and I, recently, I think it was Kenneth Copeland had 
put out a tweet about, you know, if you want that new car, you just got to have faith, right. you know? Um, and so there's no room for suffering, right? There's no room for um, First Peter. <laughs> there's no room for the reality of what it's like to live in a fallen world, you know? Um, the, the, the prosperity gospel is foreign to Paul, to, to Jesus, to Peter, to the New Testament. By the way, I want to claim by faith Kenneth Copeland's car. I'm sure it's nice, <laughs> and I'm wondering how that's yeah. going to work. All right, yeah, well, let's yeah. uh, turn to our application section here, and I think one of the main things, we uh, two main things. First, examine your own salvation. You know, Peter mm-hmm. tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and mm-hmm. we need to look at our own lives. And so, Pastor Nelson, how would you advise someone who's coming to you saying, uh, how do I know if I've genuinely be sa- been saved or if I've just been manipulated by some huckster? Right, yeah. You know, I, I, I do want to be careful. There, there's always, you can you can get caught in like an endless, I don't know what to say, cycle um, of fruit checking that you can just never get out of. Yeah. Um, because, you, you know, and that's, that's uh, you, can, you can think about your prayer and then you can think, yeah, but, and you know, and you could just find sin after sin after sin after sin. So first and foremost, we have to look to Christ. And we have to look to Jesus. We have to trust His finished work. We have to say, you know, is are you resting? Is are there things in yourself that you believe that God um, is, accepts for the basis of your salvation, or are you completely and wholly abandoned to Jesus Christ alone as your only suitable and all sufficient Savior? And then, of course. We can, um, so don't throw out fruit. You know, we can and should think about our fruit. Do I do I desire Christ? Do I do I love Him? Do I desire His people? You know, first First John. We know that we have passed three fourteen. We know we've passed from death to death to life because we love the brothers. So, do I love the local church? Do I love the things that God loves? Um, do I hate the things that God hates? Do I see uh, in in Scripture? that my life is conforming to what the Bible shows me is, is a Christian, you know, and I'll put this, this may, may sound kind of funny, but am I struggling with sin? And here's yeah. what I mean by that. Not am I just, not am I just, you know, giving over to sin, but am I really fighting it? Because a person who's fighting sin, struggling with sin is a person who is a believer. Believers fight and struggle with sin. That's part of what it means to be a believer because unbelievers don't. They just succumb to it. They're slaves to it. Um, but believers have to fight it, and we fight temptation, and, and we desire to be out of it, and we're willing to, uh, to do what it takes. You know, that's why, that's why the local church is uh, mm. such an important aspect of the Christian walk, because we, we need one another. We're not meant to do this alone. And in fact, Kevin, the local church, you know, sometimes when I doubt my salvation— it's the local church that can come alongside me and say, you know, we, we see things that you don't. Right. Now, they can't know my heart, and but I can't even really know my heart at times. Um, but the point is, the local church has been given to us to say, you know, part of that to affirm um, to affirm our, our, our salvation. Again, it's not, not perfect, um, and there is a reality that we must remember on the day of judgment that there will be many who will say, Lord, Lord. Um, and he will say, "Department from me, I never knew you." But I do think that there are clear ways in the Bible that we can know. So one is the gospel. Do I understand, and am I resting in that alone? And then, of course, 
fruit in, in my desiring Christ and living for Him, and then, you know, the local church. So um, those are those are probably some ways yeah, absolutely. Um, that I think that helpful. Well, our final segment here, recommended resources for going a little deeper. Of course, we want to recommend mm-hmm. the book, From Death to Life, How Salvation Works. Well, thank we're looking, you. We're looking forward to that uh, coming out in a couple of months. And uh, this has been... I'm telling listeners, this is their advanced look, their privileged uh, sneak peek into into this work. Um, you also mentioned a couple other books in in your book, A Gospel Primer mm-hmm. for Christians by Milton Vincent, mm-hmm. and uh, What mm-hmm. is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert, The World Tilting Gospel by Dan Phillips. Anything you want to mention about those books? Yeah, um, A Gospel Primer for Christians, you know, that is just a great, meditative in fact i need to get it out and go through it again but it's just a great meditative work on on all that god has done for us in the gospel and so excellent stuff what is the gospel by greg gilbert it's just a short little book easy read um to just be cleared on what the gospel is and what it isn't dan phillips the world tilting gospel a little more in depth but that's one of my favorite books um on on the gospel i think that uh, dan does an excellent job at, uh, at explaining the problem and the solution in Christ. And then I, I, maybe I just want to mention Gospel Deeps by Jared Wilson, which oh, I think yes. is another another helpful resource. And just, just uh, holding up the gospel, so to speak, like a diamond, and just kind of rotating it around and looking at the, at the many different facets of it. So all of those are, are some great resources. You know, we live in a time where, thankfully, we have some many great resources on on the gospel and i just want to add in one more uh stop asking jesus into your heart by jd mm, greer mm. which is uh it's a short little book it's an easy read but it's really really important um and you won't want i, I think i told the story to you last time that back when i was a kid i remember getting into a contest with a with a friend of mine about who could get saved the most and we're talking about oh. depths of salvation, but mm-hmm. how many times could we go forward during a uh, an invitation so that uh, I, we just wanted the attention? We knew that people would would cheer and had no idea what we're talking about. But my dad, I remember talking to some Sunday school teachers saying, "Well, why why is he doing this again?" And yeah. they said, "Oh, well, this time he really, really means it." And, mm-hmm. we and mm-hmm. I, of course, I was a kid; I didn't know what I was doing. But there are people who struggle with that concept adult so uh, did i really mean it last time when i got saved mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. and this book really addresses that in, in a great way well um i i don't want to i don't want to leave the podcast until we talk about another podcast and that's the rural church podcast so tell us a little <laughs> bit about that uh, that kind of got cut off in our, our part one section so take the time tell us about your podcast that i would encourage listeners to listen to after they're done catching up on their basic bible podcasts so tell us about the Rural Church Podcast. Hey, that's right. We we try to podcast now. We've we have just got busy. Uh, we tr- and so it's been a few weeks, but we try to podcast once a week. A friend and I, uh, another local pastor, or uh, uh, in Arkansas, he's he's a couple hours away from me. But we we just try to talk about life and, and uh, ministry from the perspective of the local church. Um, the, particularly the rural church. Rural doesn't necessarily mean small, but in Arkansas, everywhere is rural. And so uh, there's a lot of movement today toward urban centers, and that's great. Praise God. Uh, we, we just don't want to forget that God is still 
at work in rural areas too, and 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 we still need healthy uh, churches in these areas. And so um, that's kind of what the podcast is about. And yeah, I would love love for anyone to check that out. Also, Kevin, since we spoke last, I, I have spoken to the publisher. Uh, for the book, and so I'm thinking that in April we'll be able to announce some uh, some some hard and fast dates, oh, and uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be soon. So I, you know I hate to speculate, but it's 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 looking like it'll be soon. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. All right, my signed copy is on the way. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> all right well That's right, soon. Uh, and, and as soon as we get that we'll put that on our website as well and, and all the info so you can order your own copy so uh thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time and again for all of your your patience hey thank you kevin i, I appreciate you and, and just uh your willingness to invite me on so uh to god be the glory and that was Pastor Alan North, who is the author of the just newly released book, From Death to Life, How Salvation Works. And I'll put that link on our website, uh, where you can find that on Amazon.com. Speaking of our website, don't forget to check that out at www.basicbiblepodcast.org, or check us out on Twitter at BasicBibleCast, and you'll get some updates there. Again, you want to buy this book. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm thankful I got a free copy. And that's really why I joined podcasting is to get free books just like this one. But I'm glad to pass this along to all of you. So again, From Death to Life, How Salvation Works by Alan Nelson. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. I really appreciate you. You know, our listenership is growing. Our our base seems to be getting larger. And I'm, I'm really thankful. I forgot to mention uh, on Twitter, uh, if you're on Twitter, you saw our little uh, promotional to help this book out. I was offering a free Chick-fil-A card to somebody who would uh, post a picture of them showing it at Chick-fil-A. And that, that was a response to Pastor Nelson's tweet about that. And so congratulations to the one known as the Bald Calvinist. I don't even know who you are, but I can already tell we have two things in common the bald Calvinist. Anyway, so don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Basic Bible Cast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week. And again, thanks for listening. Share the podcast with your friends. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Tweet us out. Share us on Facebook. Don't forget our Facebook group as well. Mm-hmm.